I had to go to Portland for a funeral, and it was a great service. It really was. It was at Willamette National Cemetery. I've never seen a uh, a, a service up there, and they do the gun salute. They do the the the, uh, the military you know folding of the flag and presentation and all of that. It's pretty neat, and it's for everybody. And uh, this particular um, service was in the Korean War veterans section of the of Willamette National Cemetery, and I, they just do a tremendous job. Anyway, TJ filled in for me and was able to uh, to help Mike, and thanks to both of those guys. I know they had a great show and, um, you know, lots of phone calls. I guess we were having some, some problems, too, with the signal, and a few things were dropping out. Uh, so, anyway, we're aware of those things. So, today, here, as we're getting ready for game day, it's game day, Oregon State and the Portland Pilots Tonight at Gill Gil Coliseum, over at Degas Stadium at Coleman Field, 5.35. TJ's pregame show will get underway at 4.45. Mike comes on at 5. And then 5.35. Finally, finally, there should be a, a nice evening at uh, Goss Stadium at Coleman Field. Certainly after that long weekend of rain and cold weather, Beaver fan, you must be chomping at the bit to get into your seats and watch some baseball where you're not freezing and soaking wet. That will be tonight. No television coverage, but we have Mike Parker, and uh, you can listen to it. I believe, I don't know for sure, but I believe you can do the old uh, click on osubeavers.com and get the video um, that way. And, of course, they put the, the audio, the radio audio up with that. So here's the lineup for today. Mike um, was doing some interviews and got held up. So he's going to be a couple of minutes late today, giving me an opportunity to uh, to let you know what the uh, the lineup is and a few other things before Doc gets here. And it is a tremendous lineup. Now, there's no show tomorrow because of... Well, actually, TJ and I will be on for a half an hour tomorrow from 11 to 11.30 and then Mariners Baseball. And then TJ and I will be with you on Thursday and Friday. And we usually come up with some kind of a topic that gets everybody all charged up it's usually has to do with with uh, name image likeness and or transfer portal stuff but uh, who knows what it'll be this week we'll get that and we'll we'll also get some uh, some fine guests on the program for you on thursday and on friday as mike heads off to arizona for a big series with the wildcats and um and that's that's a that's a big series coming up this weekend. Although Oregon State has created some some breathing room atop the standings, it's not quite the showdown that we thought it might be a couple of weeks ago. But because the Beavers have won so many games recently in in conference play, it doesn't matter. And they're pulling away and created a cushion for themselves, so they don't have to win as much to clinch as uh, we thought they might even just a couple of weeks ago. So today at noon. Uh, Connor Lambert will join us on the uh, on the program, and uh, actually, no, I, I take that back. That is true. That that will happen. But let me start even before that. Here in just a couple of minutes, and Mike will be here. Cooper Jerpy will join us, and I heard some sound bites of the Aaron Fit interview from yesterday. Aaron uh, comes on when I'm here, and I had to be gone for yesterday's interview. He's fantastic. It was it was uh, fun to find out that Aaron was at the game in the press box during the rainy situation, but he got to see it all, and it was fun to uh, uh, to check in with his tweets and his articles in D1Baseball.com. And I think kind of soaking in Beaver baseball, soaking, uh, <laughs> there's the word, no pun intended, 
on a very wet weekend against rival Oregon. And he said he can make a case. He could make a great case for the Beavers being number one. But he's got other guys that vote on it. So D1Baseball.com has Oregon State at number number two. There are six major polls, three of which have the Beavers ranked number one. Three have the Beavers ranked number two. And, uh, you know, it's... It actually matters. One would think, well, eh, it doesn't really matter in the end. It does. It does matter because of national seedings and where you're nationally seeded going into the tournament. You would get the best draw if you got to Omaha, and certainly you would get to be home, guaranteed for a regional and a super regional. But Cooper Jerpy, the Friday night starter who has been tremendous and and really kind words from Aaron Fit yesterday. Um and it doesn't have to be kind. It's true. And he, he said the realness of not really commanding the zone early on, but has grown to do that more and more. And one of the best pitchers he believes in the country. Cooper Jerpy will join us 1125. Connor Lambert, pitching coach for the Portland Pilots, but other connections. And we have done some research and, and found out, of course, Connor here in, in Corvallis with the Corvallis Knights for a number of years. He'll join us at 12 o'clock. And then at 1230, uh, Andy Peterson, Lynn Benton Community College coach Andy Peterson at 1230 to talk about Pat Casey after the recent uh, retiring of Pat's number over the weekend and also speak to Jacob Melton, who is an LB alum. And um, so that's that's the lineup. And Michael just got here after getting held up by some interviews. And that's just part of the business. Good to see you after missing yesterday's program. John, it's nice to see you, too. Thank you. And one of the conversations I was having this is on another matter that I hope we can continue to pursue. Mark Radford gave me, I had reached out to him. He called, we talked. I wasn't in a position to talk and drive at that time. So that, hence a couple of minutes late. In the, right. just, and it wasn't just to be clear from my standpoint, I thank you for covering for me. You were doing everything you could. Mike's late. Well, he's doing interviews. Well, he's on, he's on assignment. Even I think if you're I late, I'm you, still going to say you're working. No, I, I, I was. I, I can't working. throw you under. There's no question. It's, I mean, almost always that. But Mark, at the Hall of Fame, when he was inducted this past Hall of Fame ceremony mm-hmm. in the late fall, he made a comment as he went in. He made a comment about his former teammate in the NBA. Lonnie Shelton. He said, now we, I played with Lonnie with the Sonics and he's a Beaver great. And we, he said, I don't know how to, <laughs> something to the effect, I don't know who to talk to or what to say or who, but Lonnie Shelton needs to be in the Oregon State Athletics Hall of Fame. Yeah. And he's right. He does need to be there. And so Mark spoke, we spoke together today for a while about him playing mm-hmm. with Lonnie. Mm-hmm. Here's something that I found very interesting, and I'm hoping maybe someday we can get Mark on. You know, this was a conversation we were having independent of the Joe Beaver show, which is very rare for me. <laughs> in any conver- I talk to almost anybody in any line of work, and after five minutes, eh, you think you can talk about with, that, uh, with us about that on the Joe Beaver show later? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even matter what kind of work they're in. I'm going to close the door here real quick. Yeah, there's uh, some activity going on uh, out in the hallway. Activity in the bullpen. Activity's always up. (laughs) That guy, activity's up a lot. Activity in the bullpen again, eh? Yeah, he's up again. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm hoping we can talk to Mark because I found 
he reminded me of something that I think I may have once known. But Mark played with Lon- I knew he played with Lonnie, yeah. but when he was with the Seattle Sonics, 82, 83, 81, 82, 82, 83, 83, 84, right in that range. Kip Carlson and I were talking about this last night at another event, which was a grand event we'll talk about here in a moment. But Mark played with Lonnie with the Seattle Sonics. And on that same team with the Sonics, Johnny Johnson and downtown Freddie Brown, fully four players who played their college basketball for Ralph Miller. I mean, that that is just un- almost impossible to do. It's unbelievable. Johnson where? Wichita State, I believe, for Johnson. Maybe. Now, I know Freddie Brown at Iowa. Johnny, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I'd have to look Johnny up. I, I should I, know wow. that. I wow. should know that. It's wow. bad for me not to know. Many things are bad. It's bad for me not to know that off the top. But maybe Johnny at Iowa, too. I, I, I'll have to double check on that. And somebody right now can probably let us know via yeah. the University Honda text line. Without even looking it up, just the knowledge. You know, you know. But four guys who played for Ralph in their college ball. So I said to Mark, <laughs> I said, well, you guys must have had time to sit around and tell Ralph Miller stories. <laughs> different eras, different teams. And Radford kind of goes, well, yeah, you would have thought that. But we didn't. Huh. He said the NBA then was a different kind of, he said, rookies and young players were kind of, there was an aloofness and a distance, even if you had shared roots and, and commonalities, as all four of us did. He said they were good guys, Johnson, Lonnie, and Freddie. Yeah. But Lonnie was sort of abiding by the code that you you, you, you don't warm too much up to the, the rookies and the young kids on the roster. He said, <laughs> so Mark said, I was kind of, I got there expecting, oh, my gosh, he played for Ralph. He played for Ralph. I yeah. played for Ralph. We all played for Ralph. Let's talk about Ralph and our memories and Jimmy, too. For that matter, because yeah. they all played and probably, I mean, Jimmy, only in Radford and Lonnie would they have played for Jimmy, right. but they would have had some common ground on which to partake and share. And he said it didn't really come up. Wow. Now, he and Lonnie acknowledged their Oregon State connection a little more readily. But I found that interesting, just the dynamic he said back then. He said in the game now, younger players have more. They get paid more sometimes more when they accepted. come in. They're more accepted yeah. and assimilate more quickly into the team culture. <laughs> but that was a, it was an enjoyable and interesting conversation to have with him, uh, with Mark Radford, with Tim Shelton coming on board. Mark hadn't seen that news yet. He was psyched to hear it. He said, really? Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's good. Because it helps the push with Tim on the staff. Mm-hmm. Whatever reasons there have been through the years for Lonnie not to be in the hall, I, I believe. I believe that those that make those decisions, the powers that be, so to speak, I just have a feeling we're going to move towards oh, yeah. the inclusion of one of the all-time greats. Jimmy Anderson has said that he believes Lonnie is the best athlete, overall athlete, mm. that in any sport that Oregon State's ever recruited in any sport. Really? Lonnie Shelton. He set a CIF record in the triple jump at 6'8", 235 pounds in, in Bakersfield. And was, I believe, drafted into the NFL, or at least had looks in that respect. Mm-hmm. Well, he had the size. And a superb 
basketball player. Superb. Hmm. So, anyhow, that's off the subject of some of the things. We're heavy into baseball again today as we mm-hmm. come down the stretch. Cooper Jerpy coming up here in a few minutes. Aaron Fitt said he thinks Cooper's the best pitcher in the country yesterday. Yeah. We visit with Cooper about uh, his career at Oregon State, about his season, the transcendent season that he's having this year. He'll join us. Connor Lambert, a friend, longtime pitching coach with the Corvallis Knights and doing a great job. He'll give us a feel for this Portland Pilots Club, which is coming in having an outstanding year. In fact, the best year under Jeff Loomis that they've had. Yeah. So Connor joins us at 12.05. And then on the speaking of great athletes front, the Jacob Melton front, so to speak. I'm hoping to have Jacob as my pregame show guest a little bit later. That's my plan anyway. Things just kind of, you see, finish BP and <laughs> they move. You know, you know how that works. Oh, yeah. There's movement here. There's people there. I'm going to get treatment. I'm going to go meditate. I'm going to go do the. You got to go down there and, 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 and uh, uh, linger. And kind of finesse the room a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mm-hmm. was watching, I was watching Nicholson in Chinatown the other day. That film is so good. The film Chinatown, Roman Polanski, Nicholson, John Houston. Just a, a well-made film. Never heard of it. One of the, uh, it's good. <laughs> it's just so good. But at one point, I mean, it's honestly so good that I watch just out of the sheer pleasure of watching acting, filmmaking, the craft. That's a film I go to often. And I think I'll watch a scene from Chinatown just to appreciate how good it is. And I'll watch a couple of scenes. But there's one point where Nicholson says to a, a guy, that a fellow investigator or somebody who's just kind of, lumbering into a, a certain situation and asking quick questions and not, as you've often used the phrase, not reading the room. Yeah. And Nicholson says to him, you got to finesse these things. Yeah. You got to <laughs> finesse it. Boy, if there's anything, <laughs> if there's any description of what reading the room is like, it's when you're with teams and you need something, especially down during yeah. BP. Right. Because you... You don't want to, you know, you don't want to overstep your bounds. You never know what coach might be cranky. They turn out, you know, right? Well, you, we don't have time for you, what, you know, exactly. stuff like that. Who to grab? How to grab? You know, all these things. That is a mastery of reading the room when you need a pregame show guest and right. you're trying to get them while they're busy. Exactly. And there, I remember Pat Casey and I. We we spoke of warm-hearted memories and good things. But I remember in a regional in 2010, Hank Hager said this to me. He said, oh, Jared Norris is at the game today. And I I like Jared Norris. He was a good hitter, good player for the Beavers, circa 2010, 09-10, thereabout. Mm -hmm. But I grabbed him for an interview right after BP, or BP hadn't quite ended yet, and I was doing it off to a side at a regional in Gainesville in 2010. And I remember while talking to Jared, I had kind of gotten out of my lane, but I'm running out of time. I'm on the air shortly. I don't, I got to get somebody. I got to get something. So I grabbed Jared maybe a couple of minutes before BP was over (laughs) at a regional in Gainesville. And as I'm talking to Jared, I could see Pat Casey behind the batting cage as 
looking me, looking, just shooting the glance over. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Why are you doing that now? This ain't the time. Oh, oh, and, oh. And standing there with the microphone and looking at Jared and looking at Pat and looking at <laughs> I'm going to hear about this, and I did. Oh. <laughs> Got to wait till BP's over, and even then, we're we, you know we're trying to win a regional. We got yeah. a lot going on, <laughs> so I blundered into the Jared Norris conversation. And when Hank said, "Hey, Jared Norris is at the game today," uh, I'll see if it's okay to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, all these years later, <laughs> but it still scars exactly. you exactly. So today, Cooper Jerpy, eleven twenty-five, our first time I believe to ever have him on the Joe Beaver Show. Yeah. Yeah, Connor Lambert, and then Andy Peterson to close the the guest lineup on the Jacob Melton phenomenon, and he is now leading the Pac-12 in batting average and runs batted in. Yeah, you know, I I never I I hate to be that guy, but I'm going to complain. Uh, when was the last time that Jerpy and and or Melton was pitcher or player of the week in the conference? It's been weeks, six weeks. Since yeah. it was Jerpy in a long time for Melton. And they haven't done much since. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we get a chance to visit with Cooper on this show today. I hope to talk to Jacob a little bit later. But Andy Peterson to kind of fill in some gaps a little bit. The recruitment of of Jacob out of South Medford High School. and Kind of where he was at. What he's become. What he is still becoming and developing into. Just a, an elite athlete doing some amazing things and helping the Beavers rise to heights, as has Cooper Jerpy. He joins us next with Connor Lambert, the pitching coach for the Portland Pilots, seven-year pitching coach for Brook Knight and the Corvallis Knights in some wonderful summers here in the Mid-Valley. And at 12.30, Petey, Andy Peterson, who played for Pat, won two Pac-12 championships. He joins us at 12.30, the head coach at Lynn Benton Community College. Great time last night. We'll talk about it off and on as we go at Corvallis High School. Tremendous ceremony for Kevin Gregg's number 36 jersey to be retired and, and joined Dick McLean number 9, and Harold Reynolds, number 7, as the only jerseys hanging on the fence at Hanson Stadium at Taylor Field. Kip Carlson did the PA. It was well-scripted by Eric Daisy and a well-deserved and tremendous tribute to Kevin. Then a great baseball game that CV won at CHS, one to nothing, behind a great pitching performance by Landon Parker out-dueling Max Gregg in a mm. one nothing win for CV in a great ball game. So I had a chance to see most of that. Great to have you all with us. Thanks for joining us. Cooper next on 1240 Joe Radio. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541 758 
Edward Jones, member SIPC. 2022 is for Can-Am Off-Road Living. Farming is a marathon, not a sprint, and our Can-Am Defender is in it for the long haul. Travel less and carry more with the longest and highest capacity tray in the industry. And with the lowest service intervals in the market, you can put more time back into your important stuff. A farmer's work never ends, so let Can-Am Defender help lighten the load. Get your new Can-Am Defender at Power Motorsports in Sublimity. Online at PowerMotorsports.com. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. If you need your windshield repaired or replaced, you don't need to call that 800 number. Give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call the Glassman. Call 541-760-2277. Call the Glassman. We set them up. You knock them down. And your next party at Highland Bowl in Corvallis. Their party package for each lane includes two hours of bowling, shoe rentals, a 16-inch cheese or pepperoni pizza, and soft drink pitcher. There's a two-lane minimum. Check out the fun at HighlandBowl.com. It's a party at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We set them up. You knock them down. Do you ever experience headaches or how about back pain? Here at Horesco Chiropractic, we truly believe that everybody deserves to live a life without pain. Our doctors will get to the root of your condition and create a custom treatment plan to help you get back to living the best version of your life. Our patients often say how amazed they feel to live a life with less pain after they have experienced how effective chiropractic care is. Start on the journey of improved health by giving us a call today or visiting our website at horesco.com. Horesco Chiropractic in Corvallis. We really can make a world of difference for you. If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. And go Beavs. Mike Parker with John Warren. Cooper Jerpy joins us here in a second. Still to come, Connor Lambert, the pitching coach for the Portland Pilots, coming to Goss Stadium at Coleman Field this evening. 445 pregame show here on Joe Radio. Andy Peterson, the head coach at LB, to talk about coaching Jacob Melton in the spring of 2019 and then sending him on to Oregon State. Pretty good connection with that outstanding program. Petey will join us at 12.30. It is a pleasure to welcome a guy that Aaron Fitt described yesterday as the best pitcher in the country. Now, that type of thing, Aaron Fitt of Baseball Authority at D1Baseball.com. I'm not sure how Cooper Jerpy, who I know is even-keeled, well-grounded, and just doing everything he can to help his team have a special year and win uh, every Friday night that he takes the baseball. Cooper, when you hear something like that that I just shared, I, there's a lot of noise out there. I know that Mitch and Darwin and others talk to you about that and the draft and all of that, He uh, and those types of plaudits that you have earned by the outstanding uh, career and season you're having. How do you deal with, when you know you, <laughs> you have pitched well, your numbers are awesome, you're having a transcendent-type season, how do you deal with the attention that thus comes when you're having the kind of year you're having? 
So, you know, I've, I've talked to the coaches about it, and they talked to us uh, throughout the season. Obviously, it's, it's on your mind uh, to an extent, uh, whether you want it to be or not. But um, uh, we, we kind of talked about it, and basically the draft works out itself. And uh, what we're focused on is just winning ballgames. And uh, I didn't really um, need any wording from them about it. I mean, I know I'm going to go out there and do whatever I can to get the win, and that's what I'm focused on. Like I've said before, the only the only stat I'm worried about this year is staying out of the loss column and, and in the win column. So um, doing that to a pretty good extent so far this season and planning on doing it throughout the rest of the season. So. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that, Cooper. The last thing on that point only is that Mitch shared with me the other day, Coach Canham, that he said it would be foolhardy for he or Darwin or others who've been through the process to try to say to you guys, never think about it. You can't think about it. It's like saying, don't think about an elephant. And what are you thinking about? Well, I'm thinking about the elephant. You know what I'm so so it sounds like that's good advice and counsel. And he Mitch has even said if you have any questions or whatever about the process, they'll be happy to talk to you. Is that do you think that's the best way to kind of handle that? Yeah, I think so. Um, like you said, I mean, there's no way you're not going to think about it. And, um, it feels good knowing that you have a, a coaching staff that is uh, willing to ha- have a shoulder to lean on in, in that kind of a situation. So, um, yeah, like there's there's guys like that, and you have the opportunity to vent to them about that kind of stuff. So um, it's a comforting feeling for sure, but like I said, I'm not really focused on it um, too much. So, mm-hmm. Cooper Jerpy, our guest, what have you been Going into the year, the off-season program, everything else, Cooper. That has. What have you been focusing on in your craft and your approach? That's that's led you to have the electric season that you're in the process yeah. of having. I think it's just staying mentally prepared throughout the seven days. Like as, as a starter, you only got that one day out of the week to go out there and compete. So um, just making sure I'm taking care of my my mental state, making sure I'm on track there, and then. Um, throughout the week, staying on a, a solid and consistent routine uh, day by day. You know, you go out there and compete for one day, but it, it matters how you're preparing the, the last six days leading up to it. So um, just, just staying consistent throughout the season and making sure I'm doing everything I can to be prepared as, as possible for, for that one day on Friday. So. John Warren with Mike Parker here on the Joe Beaver Show. Co- Cooper Jerpy joining us. Uh, what was Friday like? You, you, first of all, you have to deal with the front end delay and then the between innings delay and the freezing cold temperatures and the pouring down rain. How did you get through all of that and do so well? I mean, that was definitely one of the most physically and mentally draining outings I've had in my career, no doubt. But, um, come to Oregon State, you, you know, you, you practice in that stuff in the fall, you get used to it. Uh, maybe not used to hail or whatnot on Sundays, but, uh, um, yeah, going out there and pitching in the rain, it, it becomes you become acclimated to it, and um, you kind of accommodate to the weather that we have in Corvallis from time to time. Um, unfortunately, you know it was it was raining pretty heavy there in the uh, in the fourth inning, and then even before the game. So you just got to make sure you're staying mentally locked in and uh, doing whatever you need to do to stay loose throughout the the hour or what have you um, delay. So. Making sure I'm just staying mentally prepared, um, you know, hopping on a bike, a wind bike or something to keep the legs loose, um, whatever it might be, and just, just staying loose throughout the throughout the delay and making sure you're ready to go out there uh, whenever they clear it. So, You've been very locked in, and that's that's showing with the number of strikeouts you're getting, especially with punch-outs. How um, are you able to, to kind of 
close out the noise, especially this weekend where it was a rivalry series. There was a lot of chirping going on um, over the course of the weekend. You, what do you do to do that? Or, and or has that been something you've been able to do since high school? Yeah, no, I mean, in high school, I was not as mature as I am now, obviously. Uh, I mean, I knew I wasn't ready for professional ball out of high school, so that's why I came here. And it was the best decision I've, I've ever made, um, to be completely honest. But, uh, you know, I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably lean, lean on, uh, the meditation and breath work that we go through here. Uh, we got Braden Wells, our, our guy here that um, it's his first year as one of the coaches, one of the assistant coaches. So um, he leads us through kind of whatever we need, whether it's breath work to kind of slow the heart rate down and become uh, more focused on the present and uh, focused on the day ahead. So um, doing that day by day and making sure I'm controlling my breathing, it kind of helps you lock in uh, when you get into that competitive mode and kind of have that tunnel vision, that, that flow state of mind. When you're going out there and competing on the mound, especially on Fridays, and it's, it's helped a lot for sure to kind of hone in on, on the present and focus on each pitch. Cooper Jerpy joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. John asked you the question. That said, locked in, try to clear the mechanism, you know, stay on task. Next pitch is all you're thinking about now, the next pitch. On the other hand, it also struck me, Cooper, I saw you coming off the mound a couple of times Friday night, fired up. It's not the only time I've seen you fired up, but kind of pumping your fist into your glove yeah. after striking out the side. So could you feel a bit of a, it looked like you were feeling an elevated bit of emotion yeah. at times in that game and throughout the series. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, I get into that television mode, and I don't really notice anything else besides what's going on on the field. And um, obviously, when you get a base runner to lead off the inning and then strike out the side, it, it gets you going a little bit, it gets that fire going, and uh, kind of got the boys rolled up a little bit. You know, <laughs> a little, little uh, chippy there in, in a couple innings. But yeah, no, I mean, when you go into a rivalry series like that, it's bound to happen. So um, just pure energy and, and ready to win a game. As a teammate of Ryan Brown's, how did you feel about the way <laughs> the series ended when he strikes out Jacob Walsh? I, I mean, it was a delightful moment to me to watch. <laughs> Where were you? How did yeah. you feel about that, the way that played out? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't even see the, the situation happen until I saw it on video later that night. But, I mean, Brian's been that kind of electric guy all year. And, I mean, it's just all competitive nature. It comes out whether you want it to or not. It just naturally does at times. And with Brian, he's a, he's a very, uh, I wouldn't say verbal guy, but he's going to let you know when he's doing good. I mean, it's just energy to fire up the dugout and fire up our team. It's nothing, you know, it's not any disrespect to the other team, right. to be quite honest, even though it kind of looked like that. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's just the competitive nature that Oregon State Baseball has. It's, it's always been a, a factor here. So, Yeah, and Cooper, a factor here, always been a factor, competitive baseball, the nature of the program. Were you drawn to that? What was your original contact connection Oregon State, you said you've said a moment ago the best decision you've ever made. Looking back, right. how, did, how did it come about? I think what was your process of decision making like? When did that whole process begin to think about coming here? I think it was, if I remember right, it was the beginning of my junior year when I committed, and at that point, I really didn't know much about Oregon State baseball, uh, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, when I first was, when I was first noticed by Oregon State, I think I was at some Northern California baseball camp and. Um, that's when Yeski was there, and I think he invited me up that fall of the same year to go to another camp here in Corvallis, and that's when they offered me 
uh, got to sit down with uh, Pat Casey and talk about what they what they work on here at Oregon State. And you know, I mean, after a few days of research, it was a no-brainer. Just learning about their winning culture and what they thrive on here, it's just it's something special. And obviously, you're not going to turn that down. So, Cooper, then when you come here, you know, with the the great arm and and lively stuff through the seasons, what is it just in terms of pitchability and development? that you've worked on to put you in the position you're in now and commanding your your repertoire. Right. Tell us a little bit about the development and growth and what you came here with and kind of where you are now and even what you're continuing to work on. Right. So in high school, I, I still had that electric fastball. I obviously still had it when I came here. But I think the, the biggest strides I've made is definitely the consistency of the off-speed, the change from the slider and even working on a little cut fastball now. So, um, you know, throughout the last summer, we need things. Will Frisch, AJ, and Ben Farrell went up the driveline, um, as you probably heard, for about a month or so. And then the main thing we did there was pitch design. And um, I didn't really develop my slider there, but I kind of got an idea of how to manipulate the baseball and have it spin a certain way and they could do what I want. And then I got to Corvallis after that month of driveline and started messing around with grips, and it just clicked after that. And it was just way more consistent than the zone more than usual compared to, compared to last year I was throwing that a little loopy curveball, you know, I mean, hit or miss, to be honest with you. So um, got that out of the arsenal and started working with that sweeping slider, and it's been, I mean, obviously paying off ever since, and it's been feeling great. So Yeah, no, it sure has. Huh. Do you study yourself after each outing in terms of track man or whatever other devices, uh, analytics stuff is available? Do you sit down with Rich? Do you watch mm-hmm. yourself? I mean, tell me a little how much that plays into what you do from start to start. I mean, the main thing we're looking at after a start is just making sure it's consistent and, and there's no outliers or drop in velocity uh, throughout the outing. That could be, you know, a red flag for some kind of injury or getting tired and um, whatever the case might be in that certain situation. So just making sure I'm maintaining everything well and everything looks looks the same. You know, if we're using TrackMan, I'm going to look at the numbers for each of my pitches and making sure there's no... Um, outlying numbers or anything mm-hmm. like that, making sure the profiles of each pitch are the same. So um, nothing much to kind of um, progress, I would say, just making sure everything's staying the same and um, maintaining everything. So, Cooper, last thing from me. Uh, as we come down the stretch, and there's some big weekends coming up, they're not as big as they might have been because of the success of you guys pulling away, creating some breathing room, but... With the Pac-12 tournament coming up, and then the potential for some for some really good positioning going into NCAA action, where do you think the team collectively's head is at? Is there pressure? Do you guys feel some pressure about what might be coming up because it's Beaver baseball, and I know Beaver fan has a lot of expectations. Or are you pretty relaxed about it? How? how where do you think the the collective head is at? I mean, I don't think there's any pressure whatsoever. Um, obviously, you know, we're capable of and we've been doing it the whole season. And I think the only thing we need to do is keep playing the baseball we know we can play. Um, I mean, our shot, our, we're shooting for Omaha and we're shooting for a national championship. And each game that we play is just another step to get there. So no pressure on any on any side of the game um, from our team. It's just going out there and trying to win a ball game and just playing the game that we like. So. Hey, the final thing from, from both of us, and really appreciate your time, Cooper. Look forward to seeing you in Tucson. In little, you'll be in a little different climate, I imagine, the next time you take the hill than what you just dealt with. 
Uh, it'll feel warm and I think pretty good uh, in the evening down there in the Sonoran Desert. But that is the, the extending or lengthening of your outings. I think you've had one with 118 pitches. How do you feel about pitch count and where you are and how deep you'd like to go? It looks to me like the way Coach Dorman and Mitch and so on and yourself have talked about all of that from game to game is about right. Do you feel comfortable with that? Do you feel like there could be some starts where you lengthen it out a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. I mean, once you get uh, the season starts dwindling down the end of the postseason, that pitch goes obviously going to climb a little bit more. But, um, you know, Dorman and Cannon have done a great job with our, with our build-up and ramping up throughout the offseason. And I think I threw 95 or some pitches my first outing, and I felt great ever since. Uh, so, hats off to them for the throwing program that they created for us. Uh, Mike Henry, their strength training coaches, kept us in shape throughout the season so far, and he's done a great, uh, fantastic job with us. This is the best I've felt throughout the season um, since I've been here. So, you know, feeling great and ready to keep going and have that pitch, pitch count increase as the, as the season goes on for sure. Cooper, it's been a sheer pleasure to watch you work on Friday nights. One of my favorite uh, runs in any pitcher, and I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of good ones come through here. Thank you mm-hmm. for all that you've been providing us and will continue to do. Uh, thanks for the time on the show. Look forward to seeing you at the ballpark tonight, Cooper, and it's been great having you on the Joe Beaver Show. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thank you guys very much for having me. Thank Appreciate you, Cooper. It. Cooper Jerpy, the guy that Aaron Fitt described as the best pitcher in the country on the yeah. Joe Beaver show. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that with the personal visit, there will be more coverage, if you know what I mean. A little bit yeah, more coverage. I, yeah, I think so. And More love. And appreciation. I mean, Aaron came out. He's He goes somewhere every weekend. The only yeah. team he hasn't seen in person is Tennessee. So he added that caveat. He has not seen me. Tennessee in person. That was surprising to me, too. But he did say of all the teams he's seen, Oregon State is the best team that he's seen. Now, there may be other other teams that have more robust offense, maybe even more dynamic pitching. Nobody with better fielding. He hasn't seen anybody with better defense. Good, good. But the combination of all three at Oregon State is on a pretty good roll right now. We want to try to keep it that way with this non-league game tonight. Lock yeah. in. Yeah. The Beavs have won 18 of their last 20, but they're playing a good Portland Pilots club. We'll talk more about that with Connor Lambert at 12.05. Andy Peterson, the head coach at LB at 12.30. Quick question. Did you find the cut, the sound that I asked you of about the event over the weekend? This is by request coming up. We'll take a break, and then we'll come back to it. I don't believe it's Clem McCarthy. And, John, when I say to you, know, doing the call, no one out there except maybe, let's see, Dave Brooks, Robert Hirsch. Well, now you're insulting everybody else. No, I'm just trying to think of who, just saying the name, Clem McCarthy. Clem McCarthy. Some people was might think of Charlie McCarthy the with Edgar. Of yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, you're back in that's the day. Good. That was Clem McCarthy. It's close. See, and that's when I knew people would go to those associations. <laughs> Edgar Bergen, a great radio ventriloquist. Somehow the act played on radio. He's a ventriloquist. More of the characters, Mortimer Snurd and Charlie McCarthy. But radio, it seems like you would lose a little bit of the effect with a ventriloquist on the radio. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, I mean, the, is he moving his lips or not? Well, I guess he, he it doesn't be, matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but, but Charlie McCarthy, no, Clem McCarthy, does the name mean anything to you? No. Clem. Okay. A little bit, but I, I can't place it. Yeah. 
old time broadcaster yeah, doing. I think he did some horse racing. He, he did horse racing, and as a kid, I would hear over and over. I remember running to my mom and my dad because they would say, "Sports, sports is greatest hits." This album that they were selling, a thirty-three and a third album. I'm seeing when I'm nine, ten, eleven years old on my TV set. You know, sports, greatest calls in sports history. And I would hear Clem McCoy. And Max Schmeling is defeated in one round. <laughs> you know, Joe Lewis has defeated Max Schmeling in one round. And it was Clem McCarthy on the call. And then there were other calls. And the announcer would say, order before midnight tonight. And I'd go running down to, Mom, Dad, we got... <coughs> Okay, we here. I got the address written down right here. We got to send three ninety five to this before midnight tonight. They hooked me. Let's take a break. We'll come back with a more modern day call from the Kentucky Derby that John has found by request. Twelve forty, Joe Radio. It's back. The popular Friday night prime rib dinner at Tristing Tree Golf Course starting May 13th and every Friday throughout the summer. Enjoy a delicious prime rib dinner at the tree. You can dine inside or outside on the newly remodeled patio overlooking the course. Other dinner options include salmon or steak and shrimp. And for reservations, call the Tristing Tree Pro Shop at 752-3332. That's 752-3332. Prime rib Friday night dinners are back at Tristing Tree Golf Course. We'll see you there. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Level up your quesadilla game at Qdoba with their new cheese-crusted quesadillas. Crisp things up a notch and add a golden crispy cheese crust to the outside of your quesadilla. Talk about cheese on cheese on cheese. And customize your cheese-crusted quesadilla masterpiece with any of their flavorful protein, zesty salsas, handcrafted guac, and of course, more cheese. Make your world more flavorful and try the new cheese-crusted quesadillas today. Stop by or order now at Qdoba.com or in the app. Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. They thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and look forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Browse through their large showroom with a beautiful selection of carpet, countertops, sheet vinyl, linoleum, tile, hard surface floors, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering, corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering and go beeves. Middleton Heating has served the Mid-Valley for over 73 years and is still here to help with all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating, cooling, and exhaust venting equipment. AC causing you trouble? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. Middleton offers several financing options for new equipment and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Give them a call or find them online at middletonheating.net. Hey, all right. It is not Clem McCarthy. I don't know what this guy's name is. (laughs) (laughs) Who do you got for me? Should we just play it? Yeah, let's play it. All right, here we go. This is the Kentucky Derby, the 80-to-1 shot. And uh, this all happened on Saturday. And it's Bessier, Crown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive in 
That is a heck of a call. What's interesting about that is that he's doing epicenter and then the other one all the way, all the way till the end. He never even mentions Rich Strike. Mm -hmm. And with 12 seconds to go, you could tell how surprised he was. He's, oh, Rich Strike, because he wasn't (laughs) even considering this horse. I got to go back and watch it again to see how fast he was coming on, because as a broadcast, as an announcer there, he he wasn't even mentioning him. It was down to two horses going two, 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 and then a third one, two, two, the third one, two, two, and then oh, a fourth right. one on the inside, right. and it's Rich Strike. That was fantastic. It's a great call because of the genuine surprise authentic nature of yeah. uh, because in those moments, his own astonishment yeah. was the astonishment of the rate of the horse racing world and that was the great. sports world. I love that. Very good call. That was fun. I the, I love horse racing announcers. That is an unbelievable talent. That is a real yeah, no, talent. I, that is that's a that's a, a wonderful call of a great moment. I'm not not a big uh, not a horse racing Me guy, neither, but I love the genre and I love the talent that goes into yeah. doing what they do. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us on any matters, feel free at four nine seven fifty three fifty six. Four nine seven five three five six. The Downward Dog phone line, the University Honda text line. A couple of guests coming in the next hour, so this is a good time to jump in if you have anything you'd like to share. Did any of you attend uh, last night's baseball game at uh, CHS and the ceremony and the game itself? A heartbreaking game in the end for the home team, with Crescent Valley digging out, grinding out a one to nothing win. Their starter outdueled Max Gregg. Max in his own ballpark on the night his dad's jersey was retired. Landon Parker, 12 strikeouts and looked good. I liked his arm slot. I liked his stuff. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know much about anything when it comes to how, John, you've talked about over the years how coaches, what do they see when they're recruiting? What is it that that will get a Pat Bailey or Jim Gilstrap or a Mike Riley or Rich Dorman was at the game, for example, last night, the pitching coach. What is it? You know, I look forward to talking to Rich later today. Ryan Gibson will be my pregame show guest, but I look forward to talking to Dor, as he is affectionately known. Talk to Rich about, yeah. Tell me what you saw, because my eye is uneducated. What did you see from the two starters who matched each other in a great pitching duel at CHS? So if you have any thoughts on any of that, I'm just saying I like the kid from CV in terms of, a guy to keep an eye on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. coming from kind of a th- uh, dropping down kind of a sidearm delivery with good velo and a, and a pretty good breaking ball and 12 strikeouts over the seven innings. I, yeah, not to say that, I mean, certainly Max Gregg is a prospect and yeah. needs to people. Eyes will continue to stay on him and he pitched well and looked good too. But I, sometimes was an interesting though, game to be, yeah, at. I wish I would have been there. That sounded like a great game. Let's go to Paul. We've got Paul and Dave. To wrap up the hour for us, Paul, good morning. Oh, hey, good morning, Mike and John. Hey, John, I just got to tell you, you just said exactly what I said when I first heard that call, that he never mentioned that horse's name <laughs> yeah. until he won the race. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. It was like, where did he come from? Yeah, and you can and, tell the surprise in his voice. And 
and that horse was moving. That horse never, never passed. It was a whole was a whole length behind the two leaders up till about fifty yards from the end of the race, and then just steamed right past him and won by a three quarters of a length. Yeah, I got to watch that over again to see where he came and, from because I wasn't even watching when I was watching that video. Well, he he came from the rail. Then he passed one horse mm-hmm. on the outside of that horse, then went back to the rail yeah. and passed everybody else on the inside. Yeah, that was fantastic. Anyway, uh, getting getting to last night's baseball game, Mike, uh, one important uh, caveat to that was is that umpire left a lot to be desired because he definitely missed the, the, the Corvallis guy sliding home. He called him out, and he totally blew that call because that guy was safe. I had uh, left. I had left by then, Paul. I had to go to another uh, function. I had to leave. So I missed that. Was it clearly an egregious miss, in your opinion? Clearly an egregious miss. Okay. And I got to tell you, Mike, and this is just my opinion, but I sat right behind home plate and watched that umpire. And whenever he took his mask off and looked around, he just was as smug as hell like, I've got control of this game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he was—he was just had that added. You know, you can tell a guy's expression on his face, that attitude. You know, and it was like it was his game to control, and he was going to control who won it. That's then. That's just my opinion. Okay. But he okay. made a lot of lot of strike calls on balls where the catcher was catching the ball on the ground. There were. You know, I, and, I and saw it, a few of those. The one thing I will say, and I'll join Kip Carlson in this. And Paul, thank you, thank you for the call. We got to get Dave in before the hour is over. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Kip Carlson and I visited after Kip conducted the public address portion of the ceremonies for Kevin Gregg before the game. But at one point when a fan was beginning to yell at an umpire, maybe about the adjudication of the strike zone, Kip said, no, that's enough. He kind of under his breath. No, no, we don't have enough umpires right now as it is. We we need to avoid oh, yeah. the High heavy criticism of these officials and umpires and so on, probably at all levels, but particularly right now here because we – we need more. I know. There's a shortage. So, I, Paul, I got you, and you may be right, but we'll just leave it at that at, at uh, that point of the conversation. Dave, good morning. Thank you for the tip. That was a great call. Thank you, gentlemen. You don't know how much it means to me. Maybe you do because I call so often about this. I just want – so I think I might have been about 12. It was 1960, 61, 62. I got to be a – fan of this kind of thing when CBS records put out a multi uh, 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 record edition. I can hear it now. It was narrated, uh, edited as it were, by Edward R. Murrow. So I, he joined the Kennedy administration. So it was before he went and joined uh, uh, the government. But he did this multiple record uh, uh, album of, of, of great radio calls. It was it, there, there was there was a news component, but there was a sports element. That's when I first became acquainted with Lou Gehrig's speech. Mm-hmm. I think McCarthy's greatest call was "Whirl Away," maybe from the 1930s. That's when I heard, first got you know, familiar with Bobby Thompson's home run, mm-hmm. "Cookie Lava Gentle," breaking up the no hitter. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I just loved the history of broadcasting, great sports casting calls. You've had some memorable ones as well, Mike. But I'll just leave with this one observation. that Sports is about the athletes. I'm under no illusion otherwise. 
But what makes that exciting in part, in addition to the broadcast, I'm not, pu- not putting any valency on this, but the roar of the crowd yeah. in the background, yeah. Mike, there's just nothing like it. They're just beside themselves. That's a part. It's all of, it's, it's all of a part. It's the athlete, it's the broadcaster, it's the crowd. When it works together, there's just simply nothing like it. It gives me goosebumps just listening to uh, John playing that recording again. It just, it's just a highlight of my day being able to hear that again. I want to thank you both. Dave, thank you for the tip and getting us on to it because I loved hearing it. We'll probably play it again before the day is over. Thanks, Dave, for the call. Good to hear from you. We will uh, wrap we're, up this first hour, Doc. Uh, we're, yeah. yeah, a minute to go. Yeah. Who, who was uh, on the Bobby Thompson call? Ralph Kiner? No. Uh, Ralph was still playing then. No, it was uh, Russ Hodges. Oh, and Russ the Hodges. Giants win the pennant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Giants win the pennant. I've got a CD the Giants, of all those calls. Uh, the Giants win the pennant. And, uh, the Giants win the pennant. Now, and could Ralph he have Franca, said... Uh, the pitch that he threw, it didn't say immediately, they're going crazy, they're going crazy, oh, oh, and I, what I understand, he handed me a note, oh, uh, Thompson was uh, tipped off to the pitch through binoculars <laughs> That's what out I was in center say. field. The Giants win the pennant, they cheated to get it, the Giants win the pennant, they cheated to get it. Oh, that would have been nice, that would have been nice. No, we didn't learn about that for a long time, and even Ralph himself, Thompson, Ralph, Ralph to his credit, yeah. Just said I made a bad pitch. Then uh, Branca did not, at one point, but later in his life, though, I thought I, he was on the Jim Rome show. Ralph yeah. Branca was on the Jim Rome wow. show about 15 years ago and said, "No, no, I think they had the pitches." So Ralph was maybe engaging in some revisionist history near the end. We've got Connor Lambert coming up at 12:05 with Andy Peterson to follow. Roll tape, please. Here's the microphone. This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with your money now. A big deal in the pharmaceutical world today. Pfizer is spending $11.6 billion to buy the remaining portion of migraine treatment maker Biohaven that it didn't already own. That New Haven, Connecticut-based company makes Nurtec ODT for treating and preventing migraines, and it has that nasal spray under development. Shareholders of both companies have already approved the deal. In response to the news, shares of Biohaven are surging 70% today. With technology shares leading the way, stocks are attempting a rebound rally. The Nasdaq Composite, that tech-heavy index, up 215 points. The S&P 500 and Dow Industrials are both up 33 points currently. Oil futures extended Monday's slide today with the front month contract falling below the $100 a barrel level. June crude down another 3.2% to settle up $99.76 a barrel. And Jennifer Gray says she's in. That means it is a go. Lionsgate planning a sequel to the iconic 1987 film Dirty Dancing. That's your money now. I tend to second-guess dinners with friends because they're often interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon Pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints, call your doctor if you 
you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions, take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit Creon.com or call 800-633-9110. Power Motorsports Spring Closeout is going on now. There's powerful savings on select Yamaha vehicles throughout the dealership. Ride off for the new 2022 Yamaha YZF R7 World GP 60th Anniversary Edition Sport Bike for just $10,299. Or the new 2022 Yamaha YZ85 Dirt Bike priced at $57.99. If you're looking for summer fun, start the ride at Power Motorsports in Sublimity. Online at PowerMotorsports.com. Professional riders on closed area. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, and protective riding gear. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. It's back, the popular Friday night prime rib dinner at Tristing Tree Golf Course starting May 13th and every Friday throughout the summer. Enjoy a delicious prime rib dinner at the tree. You can dine inside or outside on the newly remodeled patio overlooking the course. Other dinner options include salmon or steak and shrimp. And for reservations, call the Tristing Tree Pro Shop at 752-3332. That's 752-3332. Prime rib Friday night dinners are back at Tristing Tree Golf Course. We'll see you there. Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers, the Golf Guru, here with another Golf Minute to help steady the ship when putting. There are many components to becoming a good putter, but having a steady head position is near the top of the list. Any head movement during the stroke leads to missed hits and poor distance control. When my head position is correct, a ball dropped from the bridge of my nose will land just on the inside of the ball I'm addressing. Try this. When you drop a ball from the bridge of your nose, you want the drop ball to hit the inside half of the ball on the ground or just inside of it. If it hits the outer half or falls away inside, you're standing either too close or too far. Standing too close to the ball generally leads to a pull, whereas standing too far tends to cause a push to the right. So remember, drop a ball from your nose to see if your stance is just right. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis... Silvers. Oh, yes. It's better not to sneeze when doing this drill. You're the one who protects the flock, and that requires an eye for detail. Because when safety and well-being are on the line, it's the details that can save lives. Even when no one else is watching, you see everything. Granger gets you, and we're here for you. And all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions. Plus board-certified safety consultants here to answer your questions. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here at Total Wine and More, you'll find what you love and love what you find, especially our totally low prices. My friends and I are hanging out this weekend, and I'm on cooler duty. Well, these seltzers and canned cocktails, they'll make you the king of the cooler. Oh, that sounds good. Wow, I can fill my cooler without emptying my wallet? Find what you love, love what you find. Only at Total Wine and More. Pickup and delivery available at TotalWine.com. Drink responsibly, B21. It's with joy that the student athletes are returning to the fields and courts. But it doesn't feel quite the same. Where have the people gone? Seems like there's no one hanging on. Cut out, cut out, cut out, cut out. 
What is this cutout talk? In 2020-21, the people may be cutouts, but there are still games and there are still tailgate shows. They're still broadcast. And through it all, there is still the Joe Beaver Show, a place to gather at proper distances to talk about it all, to talk about what we do have. And it looks like we're ready to give it one more try. So, such as it is, we're ready to give it one more try with John and Mike and the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Into our number two with the Beavers and Portland Pilots later today, a 445 pregame show with T.J. Mathewson here on 1240 Joe Radio. It is a pleasure to welcome into the second hour to help us preview tonight's ball game and look back a little bit on some memorable summers with the Corvallis Knights, the former uh, associate head coach and pitching coach for the Knights. In fact, for seven years, part of three uh, different championships, helping launch the Knights into their current run of five straight. Connor Lambert, the pitching coach for the Portland Pilots, who are having an excellent year, coming down the road uh, to take on the Beavers this evening at Goss. Connor, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for taking time for us. How are you today, Connor? Mike, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's actually really good to hear your voice. I, I missed you last time we played, and um, it's good to hear from you, and, uh, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I was really sorry to miss you up at Ron Tonkin Field and was told, I, you know, I don't know how public this all is, but you missed due to COVID protocol. So that open that we just played coming back in about – kind of things, trying to get back to normal, and here we go. You, it sounds like, were struck a little bit. We're not, you weren't fully out of it quite yet. Are, is everything okay now with you, your family, et cetera? Yeah, no, everything's good now. You know, it's just one of those things, uh, kind of like something, you know, seems like we're just kind of living with it, and I got it, and uh, had to miss a few games. It was unfortunate, you know. Um, love competing with the bees and being in those dugouts and those environments, and, um, you know, had to, watch our other coaches um, take the reins, and they did a great job. It was a good game, and uh, the Bees got us. And, um, yeah, but we're, we're doing well now, and, 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 and we're looking forward to it uh, tonight. You are doing well. And let's talk about your club before we touch on some other things and some shared memories with the Knights and so on. Let's, just, let's jump into your club and the season you're having. 26 and 17, six consecutive conference wins, back-to-back sweeps in West Coast Conference play. Connor, it seems like, it sounds like, it looks like your club's on a – uh, on a pretty good trajectory right now. Tell us a little bit about the arc of the season and where you are now. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, we have played really well in our last six conference, conference games. You know, it's, um, it's, it's been a pitching and defense. Uh, we, we, we've done a really good job limiting freebies, you know, almost maybe taking a page out of the Beaver book um, a little bit uh, in conference. But uh, as far as the, the season's gone in general, you know, I think um, – the team has, has rode some waves as, uh, you know, a typical season goes. And um, I thought we got off to a really good uh, start in non-conference, played some quality opponents. And, um, you know, we got right into conference against BYU, um, who was ranked there for a little bit and, and won that series. And then USF came into town and played us tough and, and took two or three from us right away. And, um, you know, this conference is, uh, you know, seems like over the last few years, everyone kind of beats each other up and, and the Zags are, are typically pulling away and, um, maybe there's a little bit more parity in the conference this year. We, we've definitely, um, over the four or five years that I've, I've been here, I guess four, not counting the COVID year, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've, 
we've kind of gotten better every year. You know, Coach Valentine, Coach Loomis, Coach Watt, they've all done a, a really good job with their prospective skill positions. And uh, I think we've all um, been working really hard to, to get to the point that we're at right now um, and, and kind of making a push for our conference tournament, which um, will be six teams this year. And uh, we're in third place. Um, and we've got a pivotal series coming up against St. Mary's this weekend. And, um, yeah, I think, I think we're really excited about the club in general. Um, I think we've got some, some older, some upperclassmen that are, that are really playing to their potential. And we've got some young guys contributing. Um, you know, it's, it's been a really fun group. And, and, uh, in general, it's, it's, it's easy to go to the park with them, easy to show up to practice. And, um, it's, it's a, it's a good group. Great to hear, Connor. We look forward to seeing your club tonight. You're right about that game at Ron Tonkin Field. That, that was a tough game. Well pitched. Uh, the Beavers pulled it out 5-1, to one, but it was a tough ball game for the Beavs to win, and I suspect it'll be that way tonight. It'll be a very competitive ball game. I've got to ask you about We had last hour a young man by the name of Cooper Jerpy on the show. First time he's been on the show this year, and we talked to him about the year he's having, his career, all of that. And I don't know how often you've seen him. You're busy with your own season, but he's pretty special. He's pretty good. But you've got a guy that's having an amazing year in uh, Brett Gillis, uh, former Corvallis Knight again. And 8-1, and one, an ERA of 1.40, the only pitcher in the nation with 70 or more innings with an ERA of under 2. So you must be coaching him up pretty well, Connor. Tell us a little bit about Brett Gillis and his growth. Uh, you know, Brett, man, it's can't say enough great things about Brett. He's a great worker. He's a great leader for us. Um, he's a really confident kid. You know, he's, he's stayed with, um, you know, it's not as if, you know, this just, you know, he's always been putting up these numbers, uh, his entire career. He's kind of had to, um, you know, learn the ropes a little bit. Uh, you know, he came in as a two way player for us, really athletic kid, um, you know, quarterback in high school, things like that. Um, and he, <clears throat> He's just kind of had that focus, that confidence, um, that good routine, uh, week in and week out. Uh, he gives us a chance to win every single time he's on the mound. He just refuses to give in. Um, you know, he, uh, the, you know, the, the the numbers are are, are amazing, obviously. Um, but you know what he does for us in the dugout, um, uh, every day in practice, um, just being a, a great example of what we want it to look like day in and day out. I, I think we'll have a ripple effect in the program for a long time. And, uh, it's, you know, it's great to see him having these types of, these types of numbers, this type of year. It's, um, you know, you want that for all your guys, you know, especially the ones that, that really work and that really want this thing bad and want to elevate the program. So yeah, it's, it's a special year and, um, you know, he's going to continue to, to give us great, uh, competitive starts and we're excited about it. And yeah, and the beef's got a good one too. I did get a chance to watch, uh, uh, Cooper and, uh, and against the, the ducks really, if mm-hmm. we were, I think that game was delayed or something with rain delay or something. It sure and, uh, was. Our, it I, sure I was. <laughs> Pick which one. <laughs> it, I'm just saying, Connor, you're right about it being delayed. Uh, it ended at about midnight. So, yes, it was delayed. So you got to see a little of that? Yeah, so I put I put it on my phone. You know, I I, I, I played in the Pac-10 when it was a Pac-10, and I, I've coached in a little bit. And, I, you know, I, I'm from the Northwest, so I just I always try to pay attention uh, to what's going on uh, in, in the Pac. And so – um, especially in our state, and um, I'm just watching it, and I'm just going, I, you know, he's it's nasty. I'm watching the, he's dropping in sliders that I'm thinking on video look like fastballs, and I'm just I, I don't know if there's a tougher left-handed look in the entire nation. I, you know, 
the the team that has to face him on Friday night is is you know they need all the luck they can get. He's he's exceptional, and um, you know I actually got to listen to his interview, um, and he seems you know well put together, and mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm sure he'll be throwing at the, the biggest stage one day. So yeah, we look forward to that, and I'm glad you know I know you're in that respect pulling for him as we do, and I'll be pulling for Brett Gillis in that respect, and look for good things for him because so often Connor, and let's kind of touch a little bit before we get to uh, your experience with the Knights, just a couple of other, I know pitching's your your domain, but there are a couple of guys in just preparing for the broadcast tonight that I was glad to see. Briley Knight hit two homers over the weekend in your weekend sweep. Trace Tamero yeah. leading the conference in on-base percentage, slugging percentage, third in batting average. These are guys that I got to call games for while they played for the Corvallis Knights. It sounds like Briley and Trace are a couple of those veteran guys that you alluded to having huge and important seasons for you. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I mentioned pitching and defense, but you know, the first two games against Santa Clara, we really did a great job of offensively of sticking with it and um, wearing Santa Clara out. I felt like, um, and a lot has to, you know, Briley, Briley provides a punch, um, you know, in our lineup that that we definitely need. Um, he, you know, he he really can't he really can't sneak a fastball by that guy. He's um, got exceptional bat speed. He's again a good leader. He's won in his life. You know, being with the Knights, he knows what it feels like in the dugout. Um, you know, he's played in you know tight games. Same with Trace. I mean, uh, they're just you know Trace is a really tough out right now. Um, he does a great job of of you know taking his walks and um, I mean the ball comes off his bat different. You know, you know you hear people talk about it like you know watching someone take BP. You watch Trace take BP and and the ball just comes off like he could potentially play pro baseball one day. So um, you know those two those, those two guys are special. And and, and another guy too is um, you know Spencer Scott freshman hitting towards the top of our lineup. Mm-hmm. He was Corvallis night last summer and yep. um, I mean he's just done a great job as a freshman just being. I mean he's so steady uh, and he's just a menace up there. You know it's just. Good to good to see him kind of blossom into his own and um, you know be be kind of a, a budding young star for us uh, in our program. That's great to hear too. Nice kid. I really enjoyed meeting him last summer with the Knights. Spencer Scott, you refer to. So all of this, Connor. There are just profound connections with the Pilots program through the years, as you well know, and the Knights, and of course with Oregon State, with all of the players that have played for Brooke and yourself and others through these summers. I'm just curious, Connor, to know the place in your seven years working with Brooke, what, you know, those seven summers were like, how significant, influential, important, memorable those years with the Knights uh, were to you. Yeah, I mean, I think that was uh, probably the most pivotal point in my career. Dan Siegel, um, you know, gave me a chance to, to coach uh, right out right out of um, college. Really took probably what feels like a risk. I mean, um, you know, not much coaching experience other than being an, an undergrad for a fifth year to finish my degree when I was at Washington State. And, um, you know, Brooke Knight really took me under his wing um, those first few years and getting a chance to, to, to coach with a few different guys, Billy Klontz and uh, Andy Jenkins um, in those first two or three years and getting to know those guys was, was exceptional for me. Um, and the trust that they instilled in me um, to just take a pitching staff and, you know, trust my gut and um, continue to try to learn and, and grow. And I, I definitely <laughs> thought I knew more than I did uh, at the time. And, um, but you know, they, they, they trusted my confidence and 
uh, for me, it was just, it was super pivotal. Those, those people that I met, um, you know, the, the networking that you do, even with players, you know, it's, um, Santa Clara has a game day operations manager, um, uh, Mendoza who pitched for us in the, on the 2011 team. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, I just saw him this last weekend. It's just, um, it's amazing the connections you make. And, um, and then just in general to, to speak to in-game decisions and, um, you know, off field, uh, decisions and mistakes that guys make and just trying to learn through all that and doing it the respectable way and, 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 you know, getting guys to believe in you and, you know, coach, coach Knight <clears throat> is just an exceptional leader on all different phases. And it's, there's, it's, there's a reason why they've won so many games, so many championships. He just, um, you know, he really is competing at everything that he's doing and, and at every level and every decision he makes, you, you know, he really takes it to heart. And, um, I tried to, you know, really understand that and, and, and live it and, um, you know, really take the relationships I build with these guys when I'm coaching them, um, really personal. And, um, really uh, make it mean something to me so that, you know, it can mean something to them later in their life. So um, I can't thank the Corvallis Knights enough. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I Dan Siegel, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, married me and my wife this fall, <laughs> you know, so uh, like I am intertwined with the Corvallis Knights um, uh, until my last breath. And uh, I love those guys and um, they're exceptional human beings. And, um, you know, baseball in the, in the Pacific Northwest is better with them. Um, with Brooke Knight, with with Dan Siegel, mm-hmm. with uh, the the Corvallis Nice Work organization. Yeah, well said, and thank you so much for that, Connor. That how true what all of what you just said. A specific, if you don't mind, is as we were, uh, we the Beavers, and I'm here long enough. I say that. I hope you can forgive me for it. As we were going <laughs> through the weekend, <laughs> going through the weekend against Oregon, and I was looking back over some of their history. And I come across, you know, we never saw Colby Summers, which is to the Beavers' credit. Colby was another former Knight, but not brought in in a closing situation. So we didn't see him. He's very good. They have a line of closers, some really good ones, Clevenger and Reed and Nelson and uh, Nagosek, who pitched for you. But there was also a guy, just looked back and, and marveled over his numbers, and Jimmy Scherfey, who had 21 saves and 13, 19 saves in 2012, Correct me if I'm wrong, Connor, but I believe, and this goes back a ways, but didn't you and bro, I mean, you, I don't know how much Jimmy would say about this, but you kind of got, got his closing artistry jump-started, I thought, in a summer with the Knights. Do you remember it that way a little bit in terms of the sheer ability he brought and how you used him, and then he took off at Oregon the following spring? Yeah, you know, uh, yes. I would say that was the case. He pitched some high leverage innings for us late in the summer that year. Um, and, you know, he built a ton of confidence. You know, we, you know, we talk about the things that we talk about and how we want to, you know, execute pitches in game and, and things like that. And, you know, you know, maybe refining a pitch here and there and the idea and focus that it takes in order to execute that pitch. And, you know, Jimmy was just fearless, mm-hmm. you know, he really was. And I, I really think that's what made him such a, dominant closer in his time. Um, but he really used that summer to kind of experiment, I think, with some of that fearlessness. He, I, I remember specifically we were in a playoff game against Bend, and it was the seventh inning, and I want to say it was maybe we were up one nothing, or maybe it was the first game of the series, um, and we had bases loaded 3-2, and Jimmy was on the mound. and, and I, I couldn't tell you what the score was, but it was tight. 
And, you know, I think I called a fastball and he had been really spotty with his slider command. And, um, and that's kind of was his pitch, you know, and, and he really had a good tight slider and just got a lot of swing and miss. And, uh, you know, he's coming off a of freshman year where he didn't pitch much for the ducks. And, um, you know, he shakes me off three, two strikes the guy out on a slider and we go and end up winning the game. I just, I just remember thinking that was a pretty pivotal point for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, 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 I couldn't, I can't even take credit. You know, he's the one that, you know, it was, uh, you know, tough right there and, and wanted to, to go with the right pitch and, and did an exceptional job. Jimmy, I still talk to Jimmy every once in a while, too. Um, you know, he's he's worked his way through pro ball, played a little um, at, uh, at the big league level. And, um, you know, it's, again, I, I go back to those relationships and those, um, uh, you know, relationships that you build with those guys and just being able to talk to them and text with them. Um, it, it's, it's actually pretty amazing. And, and Jimmy really, really built up some, some confidence that summer and I really felt like it kind of helped him take off yeah. and he was yeah he was exceptional for the Ducks. No, I agree with you. I mean, they, clearly uh, that was a big summer for him. It was fun to kind of see unfold and I knew Jimmy Sherpy had to be a really special kid and talent in that the ultra competitive head coach of the Oregon State program, Pat Casey, would say to me, I like that kid. He's tough. He's a competitor. And you know, you, you mm-hmm. get that's praise from Caesar if Pat's talking that way about somebody on another <laughs> club. And he, he could see it right. and respected Jimmy's talent and his toughness and competitiveness. Final thing on this, and then we'll close with a thought about tonight's ball game. Connor Lambert, the pitching coach for Jeff Loomis and the Portland Pilots, coming to Goss tonight, 535 first pitch. A player on the Knights, the other Gavin Grant, the second baseman for Oregon, several times went to the mound to visit with an Oregon pitcher during the series, and I had to invoke. I said, well, they've changed the rules uh, since the Nick Madrigal era with the Knights and Beavers running back and forth, <laughs> you know, and I'm just, I'm curious, uh, Connor, if you remember when Nick first showed up for his summer with the Knights in 15, how many times, I think the first day before he'd even met anybody, he's running to the mound to give his thoughts. Do you remember it that way? Yeah. Yeah. Nick, I, I used to call when I first met Nick, I, and, and was in the dugout with him long, you know, just, for maybe a month, I, I started. I thought felt like he was the Peyton Manning of shortstops. Like that guy wanted to be involved in everything that was going on, and he was out on the mound. You know, what felt like once a game. You know, and, and sometimes much more. But yeah, you know, it's um, he was he 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 understood. He just has that clock, that internal clock that understands like the game is getting slightly out of control. This pitcher looks slightly out of control. Let me just go. And you know, it's before we had the amount of visits we could take. You know, um, pitchers don't necessarily want to see their coaches come out to the mm-hmm. mound every single time because it's going to take, you know, three, four-ish minutes. But if you can get a quick breather, if a pitcher isn't slowing themselves down enough when things start to unravel, um, if you've got a guy out there with enough intuition to do it, I mean, it's actually pretty special um, that he he has that internal clock and, and he's so aware of his surroundings. So, um, yes, I do remember that. And, um <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't ever think I told Nick not to do it. You know, I just I think we all just kind of let Nick do yeah. whatever he wanted to do on ball field. That's pretty good coaching on your part and Casey's and Brooks and everybody's part to let that guy go. And that again too, Pat Pat calls Nick early on magical Madrigal, which so I'm talking now about his praise of Sherfy and Madrigal. So Pat did dispense uh, some. Uh, Plaudits when it was appropriate, and certainly for both of those guys, former Corvallis Knights we just talked about, well-deserved. Final thing, Connor, I look forward to seeing you at the ballpark tonight. 
la- the first meeting, Jaron Hunter and Brock Gillis squared off. Is that do you want to divulge? I'm not. I don't want to put you on the spot. But when you the both teams, you're both playing for big stuff coming down the stretch. How do you look at the way you kind of set up your pitching for tonight's ball game? Um, we kind of looked at it as we, we, you know, we also have a game tomorrow. tomorrow against yeah. Southern. We've got five games in the next six days. And, um, you know, I think we've got a great opportunity to play a top. I mean, I think the bees are number two now, number one in some polls. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a great opportunity to give some guys, um, some real exposure to a tough lineup, um, a, a really good team and a great atmosphere. Um, you know, Brock Gillis has moved into the weekend for us, really using the, the start against the Bees to kind of mm-hmm. uh, leapfrog into the weekend and, and really help us. Um, and so it has created um, some opportunities for some young guys. I think that's, that's kind of how we've looked at it is, um, you know, it's, it's a win-win for them. You know, they get out there, you know, if they do great and they can build some confidence, it can really help us, you know, down the stretch in this push, this push towards the conference tournament. Um, and, you know, if we get into the conference tournament, it's a five, six day um, long event. And, you know, it's, it's grueling and you need eight to nine to 10 pitchers at, at times. And then if you happen to get through that, you get to a regional. And as you know, Mike, it's the regionals can just yep. really test your, your pitching staff. And so we're kind of looking at these next few days as, as opportunities to, Get some young guys, uh, some interesting opportunities to face some tough lineups, and 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 hopefully, um, really eat up some innings for us, um, so we can be somewhat fresh on the weekend to to continue to to build off our our, our start that we've had in conference. Connor, it is a pleasure to talk to you again. Always enjoyed uh, the interactions through the summers. Wonderful summer, beautiful weather. <laughs> the way baseball you play baseball in the summers, it <laughs> gosh, you get the best of times in that respect. It's been a tough spring, as you well know, for all of us here in the Pacific Northwest. But it looks like a a pretty good night for baseball tonight. You guys can get on that bus and come on down. We look forward to seeing you. Thanks for making time for us, Connor. I appreciate it, Mike. I appreciate you, and I, I appreciate the segment you guys did on on Sunny um, and 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 the family. I know that meant a lot. Yeah, and and uh, let's close. Hey, let me. That, I'm remiss. I'm remiss. Uh, I apologize. We've been talking about so many other things. You texted me, and I didn't know this. And you talked about getting married and Dan Siegel marrying you, but your father-in-law is Brian Long, Sonny's one of Sonny's sons. Is that accurate? That's correct. Wow. Yep. Okay, that makes me feel old, uh, Connor, because <laughs> I was two years behind Brian in high school. <laughs> So oh, con- really? Yes. C- congratulations to you, Connor. And and I, I. But tell us if, in, from your perspective, then on the Long family and Sonny, whom whom we've spent some time talking about, your sense of of his place in your life, just on a personal level, but also in the history of sports in this state. Well, um, you know, unfortunately, I, I'm. I haven't got a chance to spend a lot of time with Sonny. Okay. Um, I, I met him actually on my wedding day. Okay. Um, and, uh, I've really gotten a chance to spend a lot of time with uh, David Long, um, who you guys spoke with, and then, and then obviously Brian. Um, we golf a lot together. And, um, you know, they have a lot of stories about their dad, um, you know, and, and just the coaching and, 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 and whatnot. And, um, you know, it's just, I guess in general, in my experience with it, it's, it's nice to hear them talk so highly of their father and the, the way that, um, you know, at times like the, the type of man he was while coaching, because I know it can be a, it can be a fickle thing. It, it's, it's tough, you know, um, being a coach on a family, 
Um, I think, you know, especially David being a coach uh, and taking a lot of uh, what he learned from his dad um, into his own coaching, I've always felt like that was really cool. And um, I had no idea I was stepping into a, a coaching family. Um, and, and maybe that's why they like me a little bit more. <laughs> but, um, you know, I I think, um, you know, and, and, and on the other side of, of the family, too, um, Stephanie, my wife, uh, her mom, dad also coached, George Scholl was the uh, coach coach football at Lake Ridge and Lake Oswego. Um, and so just to kind of come from a, a little bit of a, have a lineage of coaches in the family, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty special. And, um, you know, to, to hear some of the stories come out about uh, Sonny and um, his coaching style and, you know, how maybe that's, you know, we can't necessarily coach like that anymore or, or whatnot. Um, you know, I think there there'll always be, some lessons to be learned from, from coaches like that. Um, you know, maybe we can't talk to kids the same way, or maybe we can't approach situations the same, but to have those morals, those values and the, and the things that, um, you know, help us learn, um, and help the, 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 the younger generation learn as as we're trying to mentor them. Um, I, I've really taken uh, a few tidbits from that and tried to implement into my own coaching. So, um, again, though, I do really appreciate it. You guys did a fabulous job it was cool to hear you guys talk about it have david on and and um it was just really special thank you for that connor and thanks for taking time look forward to seeing you at the ballpark tonight as always good to have you on the show and we'll do it again down the road thanks connor sounds good appreciate you guys thank you connor lambert our guest andy peterson coming up next Petey, the head coach at lynn benton community college to touch on a number of things the art of bunting the best i've ever seen at it at oregon state and defense, and the import, and Jacob Melton, and Brock Townsend, and Gavin Logan, whom he all coached, coached all of those kids at LB before they came over. That's right. We'll talk to Andy Peterson next, 1240 Joe Radio. At Sweetgrass Physical Therapy and Wellness in Corvallis, we fix body problems. Got an ache, a pain, a sprain, or a strain? We can fix that. Got your knee out of whack or a knot in your back? We can help with that. I'm Dana Hughes, physical therapist and board-certified orthopedic specialist. I'm now accepting new patients. Come experience what physical therapy is meant to be. Relaxed, friendly, and hassle-free. No referral required, and we accept most insurances. Visit SweetgrassPT.com. Hey, this is Randy Holmes. We're still getting fired up down here at the Anchor Beaver Grill. Introducing Throwdown Thursday with country line dancing beginning at 8 p.m. Can't dance but want to learn? They'll teach you a new dance every week. Don't forget our Tuesday night trivia beginning at 7 o'clock. Wednesday nights featuring all-you-can-eat spaghetti dinner for 7 bucks, And get the best prime rib dinner in town every Friday night. So let's get fired up and have some fun down here at the Anchor Beaver on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. Philomath, Oregon, 2002. A couple brothers had an idea to bring better internet access to rural parts of the Willamette Valley, an internet that meets your needs. We get it because we live here. If you're learning or working from home or keeping up with changes in the field, we are here to keep you connected to your world. Alirica High-Speed Rural Internet. Plans starting at $49.99. Call Alirica today. Online at alirica.net. Alirica, the friendlier internet. 
Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. They thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and look forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Browse through their large showroom with a beautiful selection of carpet, countertops, sheet vinyl, linoleum, tile, hard surface floors, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering, corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering and go beeves level up your quesadilla game at qdoba with their new cheese crusted quesadillas crisp things up a notch and add a golden crispy cheese crust to the outside of your quesadilla talk about cheese on cheese on cheese and customize your cheese crusted quesadilla masterpiece with any of their flavorful protein zesty salsas handcrafted guac and of course more cheese make your world more flavorful and try the new cheese crusted quesadillas today stop by or order now at qdoba.com or in the app Middleton Heating has served the Mid-Valley for over 73 years and is still here to help with all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating, cooling, and exhaust venting equipment. AC causing you trouble? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. Middleton offers several financing options for new equipment and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Give them a call or find them online at middletonheating.net. Probably not. No. But no. you never know. You got to ask. The best butter that I've seen at Oregon State, and the bunt even now is still part of the game. Matt Gretler was making a run at Andy Peterson over the weekend, hitting a two-run home run and four sacrifice hits over the weekend. That's the kind of weekend. I don't know about the home run for Petey, but a good hitter, outstanding defender, yep. and the best butter I've seen in the head coach at Lynn Benton Community College coming down the stretch of their season, kind enough uh, to join us on the Joe Beaver Show this afternoon. And a great base coach. And a, and a tremendous coach all the way around. Petey joins us. Andy, good afternoon. How are you? Oh, fabulous, Mike. John, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, and thanks for coming on. Let's just start right with what I always think about you and the importance of the short game and the bunt. Even in our modern era now, 2022, do you ask your guys, do you work on that? Do, we, do the roadrunners ever bunt? We do not as much yeah. as uh, as you might think. I guess um, I have a lot of buddies that say if you guys bunt every at bat, and you know, no, we don't. <laughs> By the way, thanks for bringing up the uh, no home run. Today. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> I, I just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no sack bunts. You know, guys bunt for hits and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, yeah. Okay, but in your day with Pat and the Beavs and winning the back-to-back -back Pac-12 crowns. You were the best I've seen at it, and you still are. You hold that distinction, even with some really good bunters that have come through. Stephen Kwan. Kwan, Madrigal, I oh, mean, yeah. and currently there's some guy, Bazana can bunt, Justin Boyd. I mean, there's mm -hmm. some guys that can bunt and bunt for hits. Matt Gretler, four sacrifices over the weekend, including a safety squeeze. But, Andy, it seemed an important part of your game. Tell us why, how, how much you worked on it and the trust Pat had in you to get that job done. No, it was an everyday thing, and, you know, we had uh, Bales came out and spoke to our team the other day, and we brought up, you know, Petey, what's the only reason you played at the start? I was like, bunting, you know, <laughs> that kind of a deal. Um, but but it, it's an everyday thing, and you got to convince the guys sometimes it's easier than swinging. Just hold the thing there and 
put it down and go to first. It, it's a pretty simple concept, to be honest. Um, but no, Case harped on it, and the, the way our lineup was set up, you know, having we have a guy on second base for Conforto to hit. Yeah, and you got to like those chances. Yeah. Is your team set up now where that's not necessarily an emphasis? I mean, if, if you grew up that way, why go away from it? We know Major League Baseball certainly is. Uh, you know what? Our, our, uh, our number two hitter, Millie, um, you know, leadoff guy gets on, Millie's going to bunt. Uh, it's a kind of a guarantee. He's kind of in that role. He handles the bat very, very well. Um, and, you know, kind of similar concept of, if, uh, if if the guy's on second base for three hitter Ruben, we're in great shape. Kind of a deal. Um, actually, yesterday I think we had two squeeze bunts, uh, like full squeeze send them that uh, helps Su- win a game. I mean, you're talking uh, about suicide squeeze. Suicide wow. squeeze. Yep. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, I we didn't at Oregon State, even though Pat liked it. Do you remember many? I don't remember a lot of suicide squeeze. Not, not very often. I I think I might have had one. Um, but for the most part, it was a you know first and third, run into the first baseman kind of a thing. But not very often did we uh, just straight squeeze. Yeah, yeah, I like it though, uh, Andy. Thanks for touching on that a little bit, Andy Peterson, the head coach in his fourth season, although in a very real sense because of 2020, a third full season at Lynn Benton Community College. Andy, you've seen some some great times, some wonderful seasons, and you're in the midst of another pretty good one this year, which. We'll get to it in a moment. But along the way, you've had the chance to develop some players there who've come over and played for Oregon State. And one of them, a young man by the name of Jacob Melton. And I'm just curious, Andy, kind of your Jacob Melton story, your involvement, what you saw from him and what you're continuing now to see from him in his Beaver career. You know, Melton was, uh, when when I took over for Gip, Melton was uh, already committed. So he, was, he was a Gip sign. Um, and, I mean, he was the most athletic player in junior college by a lot. I mean, he pitched well on the mound. He covered a lot of ground in the outfield. He swung it, had power. He ran the bases, all that kind of stuff. And it's been really fun to see him go, I guess, I guess I could say from the most athletic player in junior college to arguably the most confident player in division one baseball. So no surprise. To no surprise. No, absolutely not. But I, you know, uh, it was fun seeing him work it out on his own in his head of, you know, I love listening to him talk nowadays and, you know, watch him in the box and his double celebrations and all of that. And he's just, he just looks like the most confident player uh, uh, I mean, in the game. Andy, you went the junior college route too before coming to Oregon State. In, 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 in whatever your story may be, in terms of how the value of that time, clearly the time that Jacob had with you was valuable. I'm wondering if, in this athleticism and these incredible gifts and and all of the things you've alluded to, did you see that that full season he had with you in 19 that it was important in his development to to home his swing to work on other aspects of his craft. You know, I, I definitely needed those steps out of high school. There's no chance I could have ever played at Oregon state. That wouldn't have, you know, been anywhere close. I needed two years to, uh, to have some good coaching and, uh, you know, learn some real kind of interesting about the game. But, uh, I mean, with Melton, it was good for him, but I, I mean, he was, he was 
he was pretty ready when when he showed up. I, I still it's still a shock to me that uh, that, that that he didn't get uh, you know popped out of high school kind of a thing. Um, I mean, we were, we were just incredibly lucky to have him. He, he he did everything in the game that you you need to you need, you need to win. You know. Lydia was my daughter. Lydia was calling some games on the LB live stream that spring, mm-hmm. and she said it was just sort of he'd come up, and you just and even now I feel the same way. Her, you know, Lydia's old man feels the same way when Jacob Melton steps in. You you don't quite know <laughs> it's something special could indeed happen every time. Did you see some special things, Andy? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was uh, at least uh, when when he was at LB, it was hit the ball very well, Oppo. I think every home run he hit was. Uh, you know, an oppo smoked off the bat. Yeah, I don't know how many triples he ended up having. And anytime he was on base, he was stealing the first or second pitch. It was, you know, a lot of that is still very similar. Um, fun to see now him pulling balls uh, over the right field stands and over the scoreboard. That's pretty special to see. <laughs> oh, it was really special to see, particularly this past weekend, to have the yeah, kind of sure series, was. the kind of series. That he did. You had some memorable moments on the field with the Beavs in uh, in the series against the fellows down the road. Before we let you go and, and close with a little thought about the team, the year you're having, maybe even a couple of guys who are, are going to continue the tradition of coming over. But Brock Townsend pitched for you. And Brock had a big year last year. This year, it looks as though he's been trying to kind of find his way back to that same kind of mode I thought he found it again, maybe. I don't know how you felt about that, Andy, if you got to watch him over the weekend oh, yeah. against Oregon. But tell me a little bit about the Brock Townsend you had and maybe what you saw from him this past weekend. Oh, he looked great this weekend. It looked like normal Brock. It, uh, it seemed like every guy was strike one, strike two, and then go have some fun kind of a thing. Um, he's special. He's, he's a bulldog. You know, I think uh, Dad Billy gave him nickname Bulldog a long time ago, and uh, I mean, it shows. He, he, he did every, you know, I had him in uh, summer ball up in Canada and at Lynn Benton, and uh, I don't know, it was uh, 140 strikeouts and 18 walks or something. So, I mean, he's always had that competitive strike throwing edge kind of a thing. He's got a different look on his face when he's on the mound. Just one of those ultimate competitors for sure. You mentioned summer ball, and when I had Gavin Logan on the pregame show over the weekend, uh, I asked Gavin. Uh, on, I, can't, I think it was the Saturday game, but I asked Gavin about uh, catching Cooper Jerpy and all of that, but also just about his double off the base of the fence that helped uh, break that mm-hmm. game open. You had him. He mentioned playing for you and, and what a great experience it was. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen from Gavin and the, the places you have coached him. Yeah, it was kind of a bummer. I only had him for uh, eight games at Lynn Benton on that COVID year. Uh, went off to a hard start, hitting four or something, and throwing guys out. But now uh, we had him up in summer ball. He's from about three hours away, um, out there in Alberta. He uh, uh, was at a school in Iowa. We lost a catcher. We're on the bus um, heading back. We have like a six-hour bus ride heading back, and one of our catchers uh, uh, leaves and gets signed. So it was kind of scrambling for a catcher and. Actually, girlfriend sitting behind me on the bus said, hey, uh, how about Gavin? Did you ask Gavin yet? And I was like, that's a good idea. And leaned over and was like, hey, Gav, you want to come to Lynn Benton? And he's like, I've been waiting for you to ask. <laughs> and that was, kind of, that was kind of the start of that. And then met up with parents, and parents Aaron and Barry, and sat them down, and we chatted. And 
got him out to Oregon. But like I said, only had him for eight games. But I mean, he's just a special competitor. He's, he's a beast. All, all these guys, for lack of better words, they're uh, they're, they're, they're just they're, they're bees. That's the best way to put it. And speaking of that, and John's got a question for you to wrap it up here in a moment. Andy Peterson yep. joining us. You've got, uh, I don't know exactly, you know, uh, about the young men on your roster now, but uh, it, do you have a couple of guys that you also think are going to kind of continue the tradition of coming over? We do. We have uh, two guys that will be heading there next year. We have our, our ace, Rhett Larson, uh, right, righty at a Forest Grove. Um, a, a very, very, very similar to Brock, same kind of kid. Um, quiet, focused, strike thrower, I think. Red's got, I don't know, 50-something strikeouts and three walks this year. Um, but same thing, just ultimate competitor kind of a deal. He's different when he's on the mound. Um, and then we have uh, Ruben Cedillo from Central High School. Uh, Ruben is one of my first recruits I ever signed. He used to do all the Beavs camps back in the day and, you know, grew up a big Beavs fan and all that. And pretty cool to see him had an out center fielder. Uh, a big, big time bat runs the bases very well. Twenty something bags this year, um, but same thing with the both of them. They're 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 beefs, for lack of better words. Yeah. They're just they have that it factor kind of a thing that I think are going to help them win games. Boy, it is so great to have a good, good JC program so nearby and have that connection. It really is, and I know if guys were better. You know, fitted for somewhere else, you'd help them as well. Doesn't necessarily have to be Oregon State, Andy. Um, the last thing, your your team, forty wins this year, thirty wins. Sorry, thirty and eleven. What do you think can happen? What do you expect? I know there a couple of years ago there was that long, long run of wins and then disappointment. It, you have to kind of. It's got to be um, a mental process, doesn't it? To every single game matters, right? Oh, absolutely. It, it's in every pitch matters. I mean, <laughs> we need to get even more detailed with that with our guys is how, you know, locked in they can be every pitch. But I love where we're at right now. we got four games left against uh, Shemekita this week. Um, got to go handle business all year. Pitching staff has been incredible. Our catcher has been calling their own games, J.J. Hoover and Jake Morrow, and doing an unbelievable job throwing guys out. We've uh, we got one of the best defenses or fielding percentage in the NWAC. Not quite like the beeves got going on, but, you know, creeping up on it, I guess. Um, and hitters are starting to click. I think that's the thing. We've, we've, had, we've been very, very competitive against some good teams these last couple of weeks. That, uh, uh, I think it's uh, showing up at the right time for our guys. Andy, we always appreciate your time. Uh, keep up the great work. Thanks for uh, visiting with us a little bit here today on the show. With luck down the appreciate stretch, it. we'll be following you in the playoffs and appreciate you taking time as you always do for the Joe Beaver Show. Thanks, Andy. Thank, thank you so much. Hey, Mike, by the way, we have a, a golf tournament on May 21st at Diamond Woods. Yes. Um, I don't know if uh, you need to come work on that slice or anything, but uh, <laughs> you guys want to come out and play some golf. Is that a May fun? 21st at 1230. <laughs> is it a fundraiser, Andy? Or, or it is, is it a fundraiser, yep. yep. Steve Crothers is a... Uh, Kind of leading that. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, a little Hall of Fame kind of banquet. Okay, so that's, and, yeah, I got you. And we're going to talk to Steve again about and get some details on that, too. You know, but, Mike's game. No, no, no. no. I, haven't, I haven't swung a club <laughs> forever, and even when I was swinging him at, at Slice, I, I'd be happy to slice it. Hey, hey Andy, thanks for the, thanks for the time. <laughs> Appreciate you as always. We'll Thank talk about that event coming up with Carruthers next week, probably. But it's good to have uh, you on the show. Thank you, sir. I uh, appreciate you guys. Go Beavs.
Andy Peterson with a go beeves at the end. Let's take a final break. One more time with Clem McCar- or, or uh, maybe Spike Jones. I don't, we'll have something coming up next on 1240 Joe Radio. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. They thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and look forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Browse through their large showroom with a beautiful selection of carpet, countertops, sheet vinyl, linoleum, tile, hard surface floors, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering, corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering and go Beavs! Power Motorsports Spring Closeout is going on now. There's powerful savings on select Yamaha vehicles throughout the dealership. Ride off for the new 2022 Yamaha YZF R7 World GP 60th Anniversary Edition Sport Bike for just $10,299 or the new 2022 Yamaha YZ85 Dirt Bike priced at $57.99. If you're looking for summer fun, start the ride at Power Motorsports in Sublimity. Online at PowerMotorsports.com. Professional riders on closed area. Rush properly to your ride with a helmet, eye protection, and protective riding gear. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. It's back, the popular Friday night prime rib dinner at Tristing Tree Golf Course starting May 13th and every Friday throughout the summer. Enjoy a delicious prime rib dinner at the tree. You can dine inside or outside on the newly remodeled patio overlooking the course. Other dinner options include salmon or steak and shrimp. And for reservations, call the Tristing Tree Pro Shop at 752-3332. That's 752-3332. Prime rib Friday night dinners are back at Tristing Tree Golf Course. We'll see you there. It's back, the popular Friday night prime rib dinner at Tristing Tree Golf Course starting May 13th and every Friday throughout the summer. Enjoy a delicious prime rib dinner at the tree. You can dine inside or outside on the newly remodeled patio overlooking the course. Other dinner options include salmon or steak and shrimp. And for reservations, call the Tristing Tree Pro Shop at 752-3332. That's 752-3332. Prime rib Friday night dinners are back at Tristing Tree Golf Course. We'll see you there. Level up your quesadilla game at Qdoba with their new cheese-crusted quesadillas. Crisp things up a notch and add a golden crispy cheese crust to the outside of your quesadilla. Talk about cheese on cheese on cheese. And customize your cheese-crusted quesadilla masterpiece with any of their flavorful protein, zesty salsas, handcrafted guac, and of course, more cheese. Make your world more flavorful and try the new cheese-crusted quesadillas today. Stop by or order now at Qdoba.com or in the app. It's a beautiful day for the race. Stooge hand is the favorite today. Assault is in there. Dog biscuit is three to one. Safety pin has been scratched. <laughs> and at twenty to one, Beetle Bomb. Now the horses are approaching the starting gate, and uh, there they go. Stooge Hand going to the front. Cabbage is second on the rail. Beautiful Linda is third by a length. And Beetlebaum. Around the first turn, Stooge Hand is still in front. Cabbage is second by a head. Cabbage by a head! 
Little Belinda is third and a beetle bomb. Into the back stretch, Dog Biscuit is now leading the pack. Lady Evelyn is second. So that's how it started uh, at the Kentucky Derby. And I think we're going to get queued up the ending call by a different announcer. That was kind of a an unorthodox approach to the start of the Kentucky Derby. But we do have, I think, the finish and perhaps more of a, a legit approach and call that John is attempting to find. <clears throat> if we had, I've already given it away by saying in the tease at the end of the Peterson interview, we may have Glenn McCarthy, we may have the voice on the actual call that we're about to hear, we may have Spike Jones, and I believe that was Doodles Weaver with the fall of the race and the old Spike Jones. Anybody out there remember? I'm surprised, Doc, at this. Amy next door, Amy Larry Parks Vincent. And when I say Larry Parks, we're now going back into the Spike Jones era. But Amy Larry Parks Vincent came into the room. Never heard of said, I've emailed you the Spike Jones horse racing bet. She did, and you just played it. Doodles Weaver, I believe, and Spike Jones. They were they were they were good, Doc. I they were don't good. Know who they are? And they were good. I liked them. I grew up uh, kind of hearing them in my home with my mom and my dad. And then Sunday nights in high school, the Doctor Demento show, which twelve other people used to listen to in high school that are listening now. But let's get to the end and kind of wrap it up on a more Orthodox note, this is how that race ended. And it's Bessier, Crown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter is taking the lead as they arrive into the final furlong. Sandin is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandin, these two, strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. We're coming down to the wire. Epicenter, Sandin, Rich Strike is coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Red Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. 80 to 1. And my question is, Doc, I've seen, I've heard a lot about this 80 to 1 upset win. Is that the biggest upset ever in the Derby? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm just, I don't either. I'll Google it. But I'm sure somebody right now readily can have the answer. But I think maybe I heard that, yes, it was. That no 80-to-1 shot has ever won the Derby. So, thank you for looking it up. But that is a great call, and the astonishment, the beautiful thing about it is the, <laughs> the announcer, somebody texted and said, no, the call does have a reference to Rich Strike. Second biggest. Second biggest. Okay. Thank you. What was the other, 100 to 1? I mean, what was the other shot? Do you know, does it say there? Um, Rich Strike wins Kentucky Derby. Long shot. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Okay. Long shot in the field. Replacement four, favorite upper centers, and then I'd have to read the article. Okay. But it does say in the opening yeah. paragraph, second biggest upset in Kentucky Derby history. Yeah. Okay. Second biggest upset in 148 year history, paying 163 to win. Only Donna Rail in 1913 had a, a higher payout at 184. About 19 bucks, 20 bucks, 21. In 1913. Yeah. Donna Rail. Good stuff. There's Thank you for trivia. that, Doc. There's a trivia question for you. There was also a trivia question last night. 
proffered by Kip, not so much a question, but mm-hmm. Kip and his PA work. I wonder if anybody was there and could give the other number quickly on the University Honda text line. If you could, love to give you some prizes. I really would love to. Can't. But can anybody, if you were there last night and listening today, one of the scripted points, and this caught all of our attention, we turned and looked. Yeah. In the tribute to Kevin Gregg that Eric Daisy scripted, and Eric was kind enough to join us yesterday to kind of give us a preview. Mm -hmm. Glad to see George Wyndham at the ballgame last night and know that because of Daisy being on the show, George ended up showing up there, and he played for Dick McLean and played with Harold. And so, but George wasn't aware that last night's ceremonial was going to take place until he heard Eric Daisy. So, George, thank you for coming. And he let me know that as I was sitting there in the bleachers at the ballpark. During the ceremony, Kip Carlson said that Kevin Gregg is one of blank pitchers in the history of Major League Baseball that has a save against every club in the Major Leagues, both American League and National League. So, as a closer, he had a save against everybody because he pitched in both leagues. And he's one of eh, two major league pitchers to accomplish that. The number was higher than I thought, but it was still select company. And I'm wondering if anybody can supply me with that number on That's the University a, Honda text line. It's a lot of pitching. That's a lot of appearances. Let's see here. That's a long time. Dr. Demento, Saturday night. Uh, Dan from Turner, Dr. Demento on Saturday night. Thank you, Dan, for that. For me, it was uh, Sunday nights on KASH Radio, Cash Radio 1600 in Eugene. Dr. Demento. Uh, Beetlebaum, Tom and Corvallis, thank you for that. Yeah, that was fun. The Spike Jones. Uh, TJ says uh, Trevor Hoffman did it. I think he probably did. But the number was higher. I'm looking to see biggest upset since 1913. Somebody text. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. John, I think, just found it. Thank you for texting that to confirm. The number was higher. Let me see if this will help. Uh, Billy Kilmer's number. It ain't going to help you, is it? No. I think so, but it, it was his number. The number that he wore. Oh, six. Billy Kilmer? Yeah. No, Sonny... Sonny wore nine. The great Sonny Jurgensen. What was Kilmer's number? Well, that's the number we're looking for. I'm trying to see if that's... We're out of time. I know we are. So we're not going to get a correct well, what's, answer. What's the answer? 17. One of 17. That's, that's a high, high number. I know. It's higher than I thought. Mm-hmm. There have been 17 crossover closers thus in that sense who have gotten a save against every team in the major leagues. But Kevin Gregg is still in select company. 445 right here, 1240 Joe Radio. K-E-J-O Corvallis. And translator, K-229-D-I Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.